Good morning. Uh, glad that you are joining us this Resurrection Sunday. My name is Andy. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you would grab your Bible and find Matthew chapter 28, it's the very last chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. So if you go about 75% of the way through your Bible, you'll find the New Testament. If you're in Mark or Luke or John or Acts, you've gone a little too far. Start going back and find Matthew. And it's the very last chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. While you're finding that, I have a couple of quick announcements for you. Two Sundays from now, on May 1st, we'll have another Gospel Community Night. We're going to watch the season finale of The Chosen, season one. Um, we're also going to have a benefit concert for Kevin and Thea Janish, and they're going to be playing for us. Uh, and so, as many of you know, Kevin was diagnosed with stage four cancer, and uh, we're just going to come out and love them and encourage them and support them and raise some support for them while they play. They're very musically gifted, and they're going to play for us. So that's two Sundays from now. It'll be Sunday evening, uh, 5.30 in the evening. Uh, we'll have the benefit concert. We'll watch the season finale of The Chosen. I would encourage you to come out for that. Also, uh, we have a gift for uh, every household today. Uh, Stephanie and the worship team have produced a CD. Um, it's, it's an EP, technically, if it's got three songs on it. Um, but they're all songs that Stephanie uh, wrote. And, and so they're original songs. And there are free copies available at the Welcome Center. Um, it's also available on Spotify uh, if you use that newfangled technology stuff. So um, I think those are the only announcements I have. Question for you this morning on Resurrection Sunday. Uh, what are you afraid of? Anybody afraid of anything? Uh, when I was a kid, maybe four years old or so, we were visiting my grandparents, and I was playing out in the yard, and the neighbor's dog came running over to me, barking, and jumped on me and knocked me down and pinned me. Now, the dog was friendly. Uh, he was a big lab, and he was as big as I was. I was four years old. But I was terrified. And for more than 20 years, I was afraid of dogs um, because of that experience. And even now, when I'm, if I'm out for a walk and a dog starts barking suddenly that I wasn't aware of, there's this immediate spike of panic in my heart. And then I'm, okay, I'm a grown-up now. Um, <clears throat> and it all goes back to this experience I had. I was about four years old, and a dog jumped on me and knocked me down. And I was terrified. Fear is a major issue in our world today. According to a recent recent study by Chapman University, 59% of Americans live in constant fear of a loved one dying. 59% constant fear. 55% are very afraid that an economic collapse is in the near future. 49% are very afraid that biological warfare will come to our country in the near future. That's half of all Americans are very afraid of biological warfare in our lifetime. Uh, 54% of Americans are more fearful than they are hopeful about what lies ahead in 2022. They did this survey at the very end of 2021. And what, what are you, are you fearful or hopeful about 2022? And 54% said they're more fearful than they are hopeful about this year. Fear is such a powerful factor that it even often defines our very identity. The most popular personality profile test in our society today is the Enneagram. Anybody heard of the Enneagram? 
the way that the Enneagram works is it, it assumes that everybody has a basic fear. And if you can identify your basic fear, that will reveal to you your basic desire. And then your fear and your desire together will motivate you to be who you are, to say the things you say, to think the things you think, to do the things you do. It defines your personality. So, for example, if your basic fear is being worthless, then your basic desire is to feel valuable. I'm afraid of being worthless, so I want to feel like I'm worth something, I'm valuable. And that motivates your identity to be an achiever. Enneagram number three. Any, any number threes? You don't have to... If you're afraid to admit, you don't have to admit. Uh, Your basic fear is being unwanted. So your basic desire is to feel loved. And that motivates you to be a helper. Enneagram number seven, or number two, sorry. Your basic fear is missing out. FOMO, fear of missing out. So therefore, your basic desire is to be satisfied, to have all your needs met, to experience everything that you can because you're afraid of missing out on something great in life. And that motivates you to be an extroverted, spontaneous enthusiast, Enneagram Enneagram number seven. The, 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 The thing that makes the Enneagram so popular is that it nails it so much of the time. It is scary no pun intended, and how right it is because we live defined by our fear. I listened to a TED Talk recently by a guy named Tim Ferriss, and he said you should write your fears instead of writing your goals because people are more motivated by fear than they are by achievement. So if you really want to get something done, don't stop setting goals. Write out what you're afraid of, and then you'll start getting things done. We're more motivated by fear than accomplishment. That's amazing. We're defined by fear, motivated by fear, controlled by fear, dominated by fear. Our fears are taken advantage of. Politicians, the media manipulate us by our fears. If it bleeds, it reads. That's the old saying about newspapers, right? If we could keep people afraid, they will keep coming back to listen to what we have to say to them. And what does that do? Drives up our viewers, drives up our ratings, drives up our ad revenue, Right? We're going to make money by capitalizing on people's fears. We're manipulated by our fears, dominated by our fears. Last month, it's no surprise then, the, in March of 2022, more than one out of four Americans reported symptoms of anxiety disorder. That's over 93 million Americans in March of 2022 alone that reported symptoms of anxiety disorder to their doctor. We live in a world that is wrecked by fear. But here's the thing, and this is so important. God does not want you to live in fear. God does not want you to be defined by what you're afraid of. God did not create you to be a slave to fear, but to be a child of God, living in freedom, full of the Holy Spirit, living in relationship and love and security in who you are in Christ, in the relationship that you have with God the Father. Do you know the most often repeated command in the Bible? It's do not be afraid. You go from Genesis to Revelation, the most commonly repeated command is do not be afraid. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. God does not want you to live in fear. 1 John 4, 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love 
casts out fear. When you encounter the perfect love of Christ, it drives out your fears because God did not create you to be a slave to fear, to be manipulated by fear or controlled by fear or dominated or defined by fear. And the love of Jesus casts our fears out. That's exactly what happened in Matthew 28, the day that Jesus was resurrected. Let's read that passage. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Suddenly there was a severe earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled away the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were shaken and became like dead men because they were so afraid of him. I think I would be too. (laughs) Terrified, and they fell down, passed out because of their fear. Verse 5, but the angel said to the women, and here's the most commonly repeated command in Scripture, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, just as he said. Come and see the place where he was lying. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So they left the tomb quickly with what? With fear. The angel said, don't be afraid. Yes, they had great joy, fear and great joy, but they were still afraid. Even after seeing an angel who told them Jesus was alive. Maybe they were hopeful, excited. What could this mean? And yet they were still afraid. They left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. But Jesus met them. Jesus met them in the midst of their fear. Jesus met them saying, greetings. They came to him, held on to his feet, and worshipped him. By the way, this isn't even in my notes, but I just want to say, uh, the greatest antidote to fear is worship. When you can worship God in the midst of your fears, in the face of your fears, that's when the power of fear will be broken in your life. They came to him, held on to his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, here it is, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. They will see me there. So the women go and they tell and the guards go and they meet with the religious leaders and they cook up some story uh, about what happened to Jesus' body because they don't want to admit that they saw an angel and that Jesus is resurrected. But the women went and told the disciples and then in verse 16, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, just like Jesus had said, to the mountain that Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came up and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus' perfect love cast out fear in this story, and it's still doing that today. And I want to I just highlight two quick observations from this story that will help us to overcome fear. The first one might seem rather obvious. Jesus is alive. <laughs> Amen? It, it might seem rather obvious, but that's not necessarily the case in our world today. Jesus is alive, and that makes all the difference. 
the resurrection of Christ is not just the personal conviction of Christians. It's not just the thing that we believe uh, that, is, that is our faith story or our religious tradition. That's not it. The resurrection of Christ is a fact. It is an historical reality. It is true whether we believe it or not, whether we accept it or not. Jesus is alive. And his resurrection makes all the difference when it comes to fear because a dead person cannot tell you, do not be afraid. A dead person cannot take you by the hand in the darkest hour of the night and lead you through. A dead person cannot walk through the fire, uh, the fiery furnace with you and protect you from getting burnt. A dead person cannot go into the floodwaters with you and hold you up so that they don't overwhelm you. A dead person cannot give you strength for today or hope for tomorrow. A dead person can't do any of those things. But Jesus isn't a dead person. Jesus is alive. And that makes all the difference. And that's the second point. Jesus is with us. He is alive and he is with us. If you look at the very last words of Matthew's gospel... Chapter 28, verse 20, the very last words of the gospel, the very last thing that Jesus said, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is alive and he is with us. And the thing I want to highlight in this is the word you in that verse is plural. It's plural. If Jesus had been from Missouri, he would have said, remember, I am with y'all Or Alabama. Yes, Pastor Josh. If he had been from a little bit further south, he would have said, I am with y'all always to the end of the age. It is with us that he is present. It is with us in the community of his church, of his people, that he is present. When we gather, he is really present with us to the very end of of the age. And here's the thing. If you have brothers and sisters in Christ, a community of believers who will walk with you through the dark night of the soul, you can experience the risen presence of Christ, the real presence of a living Savior in the midst of your greatest fear. And then you don't have to be afraid any longer. If you have received the perfect love of Christ that casts out all fear, And if you belong to the community of his people, to the church, through whom you experience the real presence of a living Savior, then you can say with the psalmist, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I want to show you how this works in real life. And to do that, I'm going to invite my favorite human being in the world, my wife, Corinne, up to share a little bit of her story. Well, if... um If you know me well at all, you know I would much rather um, be sharing this over a one-on-one coffee date with with you than to be up here. It takes a lot to get me up here. (laughs) Um, And I've already had one good cry this morning, so I just um, hope that I can get through this. Um, I want you to please hear my heart before I start. This is 
absolutely the Lord's story, and a lot of this is, is very close to our hearts, and we haven't shared, but we felt like he really wanted us to share this morning. Um, and, and this is a much longer story than what I have time for um, right now. There's so many more things, so many more ways that we've seen his hand working. Um, so maybe we can't have that coffee day. <laughs> um, but we just wanted to be obedient, and I just, I just pray that by sharing a, a portion of this that we can give him just even a sliver of the honor and the glory that he is due. And I just pray on this Easter Sunday that this lands on all of you as a message of hope. About 20 months ago, we had a total surprise blessing happen in our family. I was pregnant. We have four boys who we absolutely adore, a pretty full, fun, and wild house, as you can imagine. We weren't planning for a baby, but we were shocked with how excited and full of joy we became with the news. What a gift. At a six-week ultrasound, I saw our baby, a healthy heartbeat, and the planner in me set to work. Andy even started demolishing walls in our basement to make more space for our growing family. We were just absolutely thrilled. Then, unexpectedly, at nine and a half weeks and just two weeks before Christmas, I went in for another ultrasound, thinking I had a UTI or something based on the symptoms I was having. But instead, they told me there was no fetal heartbeat. Our baby was with Jesus, and our surprise gift was gone from this earth. And I know that so many of you have walked through the pain of miscarriage, and it's just um, something that your, your heart's just never prepared for. But as January came, um, I spent long mornings processing with the Lord. I asked many questions, and I just wanted him to tie things up in a neat little bow for me and show me how this all made sense. It was then that I started hearing the phrase, wait, these things take time. Spring came, and with it, my hope felt revived. We had processed our season of loss and hoped it was over. The signs of warmth were on the way, and I was ready to move forward. At the end of May, just a couple days after my birthday, I actually found out I was pregnant again. A bit more cautiously this time, my heart was excited, but within a week we miscarried again, and I was left feeling even more confused. The pain felt meaningless and cruel. I spent the rest of the summer in a soul-searching posture. What do you want from me, Lord? I felt like he was making it clearer that he wasn't going to grow our family. So, did he want me to get a part-time job in the fall since our youngest was starting kindergarten? Was there a more concentrated area to serve, volunteer? Still, the answer I got was, wait, these things take time. My fear of the unknown was oppressive. I am a planner by nature, which a lot of you, have a lot of you know. And he was not giving me the plans that I was craving. I also unknowingly was slowly allowing some lies about God's character to creep into my heart. I know that scripture says he's trustworthy, but there was this looming question in my heart after a season of hurt. And I honestly feared what else he might have me walk through and if I would be able to handle it. During this time, though, we thankfully felt the Lord very, very close. He was so kindly and graciously giving us his presence, and he was speaking so much. I've tried to journal all the things he was speaking. There's just so much. Um, our, our dear friends told us they were so certain he wanted to give us another baby. Andy received a, a very meaningful and encouraging picture from the Lord. 
Um, a good friend of his shared with us Psalm 27:13. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And the Lord placed Jeremiah 29:11 on our hearts one day at the same time when we were in different um, locations, just assuring us that he had plans for us. All these things and so much more. Like I said, I can't even mention them all. We're just swirling around us, and they brought us great hope and encouragement for sure. We didn't know what was going to happen, but we just, we knew that he was with us, that he was close, and, and it was a great comfort. So fall started. The kids were off to school, and Andy and I went to Colorado for a three-day retreat to gather with some pastors from the E-Free Word and Spirit Network. Through the course of those days, the Lord brought great, great healing to our hearts. He clarified through scripture that our miscarriages weren't meaningless. We went to a local church that Sunday, and the pastor was preaching on seasons and how the Lord says when each season in your life was over. I felt like the Lord was saying to me, your season of suffering is over, Corinne, and I was (laughs) elated. Um, And I I know so many of you can experience this. I didn't know what he had for me, but I was just so thrilled to be out of this dark hole of sadness and suffering. The last night before we flew home, we prayed and counseled with an older wise pastor from the network, and he shared with me through prayer that the Lord wanted to heal my hope. We came home the next day, and I felt this huge new lease on life. I felt so full of his spirit, just ready to gush. Um, The suffering was over. Unleash me, Lord. I'm ready. Whatever you have, let's go. (laughs) Put me in the game. I was just... Um, so, so full. Um, and then literally the very next day I got benched. I got sick the very next day after we got home. It took a few weeks to figure out due to inaccurate COVID testing, but I had contracted COVID and I was actually really, really ill. What I had anticipated to be a one to two week illness turned into a six month saga of horror. My lungs were constantly tight and full of mucus. My heart rate remained quite high for a long time, and I found even doing small things was incredibly difficult. I couldn't sit down because I was constantly coughing, and I just couldn't breathe. And then the worst part of it all was I could not sleep. You see, after the first two weeks of battling the virus, I was hit with just this crazy insomnia. Um, It's a symptom that I later learned was actually common from the Delta variant of the virus and from long-haul covid it was insane. I would, I would lose, like, full nights of sleep night after night after night. The physical anguish was looming, but the mental despair was even more. I was just so exhausted. I desperately wanted to rest, and I couldn't. Would I ever sleep again? Would I ever be able to breathe easily again? I desperately wanted to care for our kids, be their mom, get my life back, get back in the game, and yet I simply just could not get well. And I would just cry out to the Lord, this feels so cruel. I would even take little drives around our neighborhood at night that he never wanted me to do. But I just would have to get out of the house at night and I would just cry out to the Lord. And it was very hard. And I know that that some of you in here have experienced insomnia. And so I say this with all the the empathy in the world. It's, It's truly just maddening and awful. I had developed, by this point, evening anxiety that was just miserable, and I was losing hope yet again. It went from bad to worse when I started to have panic attacks in the heat of the night at 3 a.m. when I still 
couldn't sleep. Another dark Christmas rolled in, and I began to question him. Lord, I really thought you said my season of suffering was soon to be over. Where are you, Lord? Where is your healing? When will you lift this? The weeks turned to months, and there was still no end. I will say, during this time, the prayers of our church family and of our families were just tremendously encouraging. We um, were so blessed with friends just willing to literally get into the trenches with us, pray for us, counsel with us, support us, check on us. Um, So many of you have, have just been in this with us, and we couldn't be more grateful. We received so much help, encouragement, help with our kids, meals, gifts, Holy Spirit-led texts, phone calls, prayers, you name it. These things were just absolutely huge. They were life-saving. We, we truly felt the, the love of Christ through this church family, and through you all, we felt his hands and feet, and so I just want to say how grateful I am to you all for that. I am tethered to your every word, my heart ever after your heart first. I will trust you here. I will trust you here and now. My hope always set in who you are, even when I can't see every part I will trust you here I will trust you I won't forget the things you've done for I know that this is just the beginning you're not finished yet You're not finished yet Until I see your promise come God, with all I am I'll keep believing You're not finished yet You're not finished yet You don't play games. It's not who you are. You're not the type to mislead my heart. I can trust you here. I can trust you here and now. I've only known you to keep your word. I've only found love at every turn. I can trust you here. I can trust you. I won't forget the things you've done. For I know that this is just the beginning. You're not finished yet. You're not finished yet. Until I see your promise come, God, with all I am, I'll keep believing you're not finished yet. You're not finished yet until the dry bones wake, until the mountains shake. 
until the darkness breaks. I will praise you, I will praise you until the dry bones wake, until the mountains shake, until the darkness breaks. I will praise you, I will praise you until the dry bones wake, until the mountains shake, until the darkness breaks. I will praise you, I will praise you, I won't forget the things you've done. For I know that this is just the beginning. You're not finished yet. You're not finished yet. Until I see your promise come. God, with all I am, I'll keep believing you're not finished yet. You're not finished yet. So as the new year rolled around, while I was still struggling physically, I began to feel a resurrection happening in my faith. The Lord was speaking that this wasn't all meaningless. He was telling me to hold on and that he was working on something. These things take time. On a groggy early morning in my kitchen, he gave me Philippians 3.10 that says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participations in his suffering, becoming like him in death. Jesus showed me in that verse that he wanted me to share an experience of suffering with him. See, when you share an experience with someone, it actually bonds you so much closer together. And I felt like he was just saying that he, he, he loved me and he trusted me um, with this suffering and he wanted to share an experience with me. Not that I wanted it. I, I did it. <laughs> I remember texting um, one of my dearest friends saying, I don't want to. I don't want this. <laughs> pray for me. I don't pray that I'll want this. Nobody wants to suffer. But she quickly reminded me of the part in the verse about experiencing the power of his resurrection. And that became just a broken record prayer in my heart that I, that I would just know the power of his resurrection to a degree that I hadn't before in the midst of this suffering. From that point on, his love and promises felt more sure and more trustworthy than ever. It felt like he was literally holding me up in my kitchen that morning with a reminder that he was right there, that he was um, praying for me at the right hand of the Father, that he was like cheering me on, and that by his strength, only by his strength, that I could endure this. So I remember the first communion I took after he had placed that verse um, so strongly on my heart. It just felt like this rebirth rebirth in gratitude for what he did for me. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, 
and what he was continuing to do for me. <laughs> While my spiritual health was improving, my body was still um, a roller coaster. Sleep was still as inconsistent as ever. And I had developed hives, another fun long-term COVID symptom since November. So I was trying all these experimental diets just to try to stop itching all the time. So Andy um, took me away for a little sanity weekend. I think he thought I was maybe losing my mind, which it was questionable at that point. Um, So he took me away and... Um, I just remember telling him, like, I just, I want to be physically well. I feel so much better in my heart and in my countenance, and I know that the Lord is, is here, but I just want to be physically well. And I even told him, I'm like, my body is shot. Like, we are not trying for another baby. We are just, <laughs> we are, this body's done, but I just want to be physically well. So maybe we can pray about adoption down the road. Um, we just had this, it was, a, it was a wonderful trip, just really good time for us together, and time with the Lord. So we came home encouraged and just um, very hopeful for the Lord's full healing. A few weeks later, we actually found out we're expecting again. We were very shocked, very overwhelmed, yet cautiously overjoyed with what the Lord was possibly doing. Only by his grace and strength was this happening. Only by his mercy had he given us another gift of a pregnancy journey And we are praying every day for a healthy baby come October. We're now 14 weeks along. We've had several ultrasounds. Everything is so healthy. (laughs) And and we just found out at the end of the week that it's a girl. We're having a girl. doesn't even still feel real yet at all. (laughs) Um, I've also been sleeping again. Crazy thing. As as soon as, um, as soon as I got pregnant, I started sleeping again and I've been dreaming again at night. Um, something that I've missed for several long months. Only God could think up a plan like this for healing. After all those months, we'd prayed for another baby, and we prayed for the Lord to heal our hearts. And then when I got so sick, all those months, we prayed for physical healing and restoration of my body. And in his loving kindness, we believe he's working on both. I would have never, ever believed a baby would help reset and restore my body. Like I said, I had told him, we are done. (laughs) Um, But interestingly enough, just a couple weeks ago, a friend shared a medical article with me about how a developing baby in the womb actually helps repair the mother while the mother's body is helping build the baby. This is why oftentimes certain illnesses and conditions vanish in a mother during pregnancy. So only a creator could design this. Only a savior could enact such a a miracle in how he's created our bodies to work. The point of all this is not that our problems are all over, but the point is that God has been with us through this entire journey. Even in the middle of the night when the panic attacks hit and I doubted and questioned him, he never doubted me. When I couldn't and still can't handle it, he sustains me. He's never turned his back on me. He's been right here the whole time, and yes, he does heal hope. 
Yes, I'm on a path toward recovery, and yes, he's blessed us with a healthy pregnancy this far. These things we count as huge, huge blessings, and we give him full praise. Wherever the rest of this path leads, I'm learning that I can walk it without fear because I know that he's with me and he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves you. He is with you. He loves you so much. Every step, no matter what happens, he is with us. And we will walk through valleys. It's just going to happen. But the point of the resurrection on this Easter morning is that we have power over death because of his power that lives in us. And we actually don't have to be afraid. We very humbly ask that you would please continue to pray for us on this journey. We're asking for your prayers for a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby and a full recovery from long COVID. We believe that he can do these things. We love you all so, so much. I mean that from every part of my heart. We just, we love this church family so much, and we very much value your prayers. It is my prayer that the Lord encourages you to keep hope in him. Know that wherever you're at in this season of your journey, I believe And I've truly experienced that he is constantly moving us from darkness to light, darkness to light, over and over. He saves us at the moment of our salvation, and then he just keeps saving us over and over and over again from our fears to a firmer, firmer faith in him. 1 Peter 2, 9 reminds us that we are God's special possessions and that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Thank you so much. If you have experienced the perfect love of Christ and you belong to his people, when we gather together, you experience his real presence with you, even in the dark night of the soul. And you can live without fear. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And we're going to end our Easter service a little different than what we might normally do. In just a few minutes, we will uh, go out into the gym and have breakfast together and be with one another. But you might be in a season where you're facing something uh, that is fearful. That you don't know how you're going to get through this season. Uh, and I just want to invite you to come forward and receive prayer. If, you're, uh, if there's an, any elders here, overseers, would you come up? Uh, other prayer partners, um, Barb, Judy, would you guys just come up? And um, we're, we're just going to stand up here along the front. And if you have a need, if you have something that, it, that you're struggling with that is challenging, that, that is scary, maybe you haven't experienced the perfect love of Christ. Maybe you've been uh, around church or you've known people that are around church. Maybe you're fairly new to church or to Christianity. You've had a lot of questions about it. Maybe you've never really decided to surrender your life completely to Christ. You can, and it will change everything because Jesus is alive. And when he gives you his Holy Spirit, he is with you. And, And so I would encourage you, if that's not a decision that you've ever made, 
If you've never looked back in your life and remember a time when you have decided to transfer ownership of your life from yourself to Christ, you can make that decision this morning. It's as simple as, simple as saying, Lord Jesus, I have held on to my own life and now I am turning away from that and I am giving myself to you. I receive you as the living savior of my soul. And when you make that decision, when you say a simple prayer like that, the Holy Spirit comes into you and he is not a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Maybe you are a Christian, maybe you have been, but you're facing a diagnosis that you didn't expect or uh, something, life has thrown you a curve that you didn't know about. I want to encourage you to come forward and receive prayer. Uh, So whether you're praying to come and receive Christ, whether you're praying to come and receive power and victory over fear, uh, we'll be up here praying for you. And if you want, while the worship team sings, just come up and uh, receive prayer.